Welcome to the Steelers by the Lake podcast. My name is James Jones. Once again, by my co-host Cody. Cody, how are you doing this Monday evening? Oh, James, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm a bit tired. Uh, <laughs> I uh, had a late night last night. I was down in San Antonio watching the football game. Had a, met, met some lovely person online, decided to go watch the game with them. Uh, it was a good time. We lost, though, but it was a good time. Uh, <laughs> luckily, I had alcohol and food, so that was good. Um, but no, other than that, I'm okay. James, how are you? I'm good, man. Sometimes it's about the company that you keep uh, and the ones that want to be around you, man. So yep. I'm happy that that was a good evening for you, regardless of the outcome of the game. Because let's be honest, if we're being realistic, uh, there's going to be a few of those this year. There's been more than we would have liked already this far. Uh, but in any game, you got to try to find the positive on what we've got to build on. I do feel that there are some positive things that happened in this game. Uh, there's uh, two positive, positive things. Performances. Two positive things for me, and both are young, talented guys by the name of Pat and George, um, which I love <laughs> because they're very basic names. <laughs> it's just funny. Um, but yes, we'll definitely talk about that. Before we get too far, too crazy into that, um, Safe, real quick, the, some of the things happened before the game. Safety, DeMonte KZ resumed practice, uh, which started his 21-day window for a return from the IR. And then DeMarvin Leal also had a knee procedure done, which seems to be minor. Uh, we'll keep you informed on that. Inactives before the game, James, nothing new here, right? A killer witherspoon. Uh, Steven Sims would be the new one because, you know. Uh, me. Yeah, Mason Rudolph, Kendrick Green, Mark Robinson. Those were your inactives before the game. And then we had a football game here on Sunday Night Football in Miami, and it didn't go as well as the Steeler fans were hoping. <laughs> yeah, and real quick on those inactives, Akilah Witherspoon was trending towards playing yep. for the game uh, and then went from full participant in practice to limited on Friday which seems to me to indicate that probably had a setback on that hamstring that he's been trying to recover from. Uh, so consider him probably out against the Eagles. Best case scenario, after the bye week, he might be able to return. Steven Sims, uh, hamstring with him too. And again, usually you don't come back the next week from a hammy, so expect him to probably be out next week as well. Yeah. Uh, and that's a shame. Yeah. Because he showed some promise. Uh, but let's jump into this game, man. Let's start uh, the way we normally do. Uh, at the quarterback position. And there is a lot of different opinions from this game on how the play was of one Kenny Pickett. Yes, he uh, can. And, <laughs> yes. Uh, I personally don't think the game was anywhere near as bad on his performance as a lot of people do. Uh, anytime you're completing 75% of your passes uh, and successfully move the chains a number of times, uh, you have to say that there is some positive uh, had some incredibly difficult passes, including the touchdown pass, yep. uh, including a late throw over the middle on fourth and a long uh, to Pat Fryermuth over the shoulder that he really had no business throwing, but it was a perfect throw. Uh, lots of really good throws in this game, uh, and I'm not as down as a lot of people on the three picks because I feel like only one of them was truly 100% on him, and that was the second interception. Uh, so, Yeah, he kind of telegraphed that one a little bit in the safety, or was it a corner? No, it was a safety. No, uh, no, yeah, safety baited him. He, yeah. <laughs> he baited him. Yeah, and it wasn't. And I mean, it wasn't a great throw from. either. Um, it was a little inside, not a lot, but again, he was baited. The safety made a good play on the ball. 
Uh, the first one could have been called pass interference, probably should have been. And the last one um, was, it, it, it appears that the quarterback and the wide receiver weren't on the same page route-wise. Um, or at least maybe just where the route was run. I, I don't know if maybe Kenny threw it to a spot where he thought Deontay was going to be. Deontay thought he was going to go a little bit further towards the end zone. I don't know. Um, but uh, either way, I agree with you. Although I'm down about the Kenny Pickett thing, I'm down about his gameplay. I do believe that he played well. I, you're correct with the 75% you know, completion rating. That's phenomenal. Um, unfortunately, the three interceptions just are such a big... And again, even when they're not your fault, it just sucks to watch it happen. Um, yeah. But with, with that being said, I do believe that... Ken, I mean, Kenny showed his mobility again. There was a third down play that he got that he had no business scrambling for. He was able to pick that up. Um, I'm excited. I am excited about Kenny Pickett in this offense. I just, I would have imagined by now they'd be gelling better. Even, even with the transition back to Trubisky, back to Kenny Pickett after the injury, this and that, I just thought they'd be on the same page more and I'm not sure why they aren't. I don't know if that's reflective of the, the practice type, if that's reflective of just the, the amount of time these guys are working on route running together. I, I don't know what it is. Um, and it's frustrating, especially when you see someone like Juju Smith-Schuster go to Kansas City and seems like he has phenomenal chemistry with Patrick Mahomes. Um, would like to see something more out of our guys here. Uh, but again, I don't want to talk Kenny Pickett too long. He did play well, fairly I, well. I want to touch base on him a little bit more okay. here. I wanted to make sure that you spoke on him before I covered everything. Uh, but with uh, like you were talking about that first interception, the attempted pass to Chase Claypool. Um, my initial reaction on it was, how in the world is this not pass interference? And then the uh, the Sunday night football crew brought in the ex-referee, the rules analyst, and he explained that if the contact happens and it appears to be incidental, uh, but the ball is not being contested for yet, if they're still running the route, then it is pass interference. If he's going for the ball, then it is not pass interference. It can be ruled incidental. And he said that based off of when the contact happened, it absolutely should have been pass interference. Yep. Uh, so I'm just going off of an, an ex-NFL referee with tons of experience's opinion, uh, which seems to be a pretty valid one in my book. I agree with him on that one. Don't always agree with the refs. I do on this one. Uh, and then the last one, you know, Kenny's got like 20 seconds left in the game, and a lot of people were saying – uh, he should have scrambled there and tried to get the first down and get out of bounds. Uh, there were two defenders in between him and the out of yep. bounds, so I'm not so sure he would have been able to do that. Uh, and I think he was smart enough to understand that. And what this basically was was like a back shoulder fade, except for Deontay kept going. And you, you got to think, where is he trying to go? Yep. Is he trying to catch the ball out of the back of the end zone? Because there's no more room to throw in the back of the end zone. He's not been able to to win those contested catches or high point balls. So he tried to give him the opportunity. Uh, the whole point of the back shoulder fade is that the receiver can see when the ball is coming and the defender can't yet. And you get the, the ability to break on the ball faster. Well, he just never even tried. <laughs> he just never gave any effort. And it wasn't the only time in this game. Again, I felt like it there was a large lack of effort coming from Deontay Johnson. And I don't see it with the other receivers anymore. I did feel like I saw that a little bit with Claypool earlier in the season. And I feel like he got his head on straight against Tampa Bay and kept it on straight in yesterday's game. Yeah. Uh, and George Pitkins is giving you a hundred percent effort. I mean, he caught every ball thrown his way. 
Yep. Uh, so you're you're looking at three receivers that are all being treated as number ones, and two of them that are acting like it. Uh, and it's really making things look a lot worse than they should right now. Uh, and this was my biggest gripe on Deontay the last couple of years of Ben's career is that so many of Ben's interceptions uh, were thrown to Deontay and he had zero effort in going for the ball. Yep. Uh, and you can't always catch it. And there's no saying that Deontay would have been able to to stop his momentum and come back to that ball and make the catch. But you at least got to try and break it up, man. It wasn't fourth down. And even on the interception that another down. Even on the interception that Kenny got baited on, Deontay didn't make a whole lot of effort to try and tackle no. the player after he I mean he picked it off right in front of his face. Um so yeah, I agree. And then and in contrast, look at the one that Chase Claypool that was intercepted on, right? Yep. Claypool gets tripped, ball gets intercepted, and who makes the tackle? Chase does. He fights off multiple defenders and goes and gets that tackle. That's the effort that you need from a guy if you're going to consider him a starter caliber type wide receiver. It can't just be that if the ball isn't perfect, then I'm not going to try. You you need to try regardless of the outcome of the play, yep. regardless of how the play is going. You need to be trying. Uh, and to me, I, I need to see a lot more effort from Deontay Johnson because there's so much more effort coming from basically every other position on the field and even the other guys at that position. Yeah. Um, moving to the running back room, uh, because, I mean, we'll get to the wide receivers again here in a second, but Najee Harris, will, yeah. Najee Harris, 17 rushes for 65 yards, only a 3.8 average. 16 was as long. That was good. Um, still not seeing the productivity you'd expect out of a guy with, you know, first-round draft pick, Najee Harris, the size, everything, everything you'd expect out of him. Still not seeing it. I don't, at this point, I don't know if it's play calling. I don't know if it's the offensive blocking scheme still or or what, but I just kind of expected more. Not the blocking scheme, I shouldn't say, but like the the holes. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I felt like it was a better game for him, but it still wasn't the kind of game that you'd expect to see. So I'm with you 100% on this. This is This was a step in the right direction because his his games had been a lot of like two and a half or three yards of carry. This is 3.8. It's almost where you need it to be. Yep. Not quite. You want it to 4.0 or higher. uh, That's when you feel like you're moving the ball well at that point. Uh, So this was close. It was a step in the right direction. We saw a few explosive runs. We saw him making some people miss after the catch. Uh, I recall one catch where he, he shook a couple of dudes before he went uh, and that was, I think, on his 12-yard reception that he had out of, out of his three catches. Uh, but I feel like it's getting a little bit better with Najee, but it needs to get uh, that next step. Yep. One more step of a little bit better gets it to the point where you're starting to say, okay, now this is a weapon that people need to commit two guys to, which is going to open up things more for the tight ends and the wide receivers and, and open up the field a little bit more. Yep. Uh, so baby step in the right direction. Uh, but obviously when you've lost as many games as Pittsburgh has already, and you're looking at a two and five record, uh, a baby step is not really one to celebrate anymore. We're looking for something a little more significant than, than celebrating a baby step. Yep. Uh, Kenny Pickett had three rushes for 20 yards. 16 was also his long Jalen Warren, only two rushes for seven yards. Uh, he got injured if I'm not mistaken in this game, or am I thinking something wrong? I don't remember. No, yeah, I'm thinking. I don't remember the injury. I'm thinking. Uh, I think I'm thinking of uh, one of our secondary guys that when they fell. Um, uh, but then Deontay Johnson one rush three yards. Nothing too crazy out of the running game. Wide receiver group and tight end group as a whole. Um, George Pickens again six for six 
targets, receptions. He played phenomenal. 10.2 average, was averaging a first down every catch. Uh, Deontay Johnson targeted 10 times, only five catches for 42 yards. Chase Claypool targeted eight times with five catches with 41 yards. And then, uh, you know, Jalen Warren, two for two for 17. Najee, three of four for 15. Connor Hayward had a catch for six yards. Zach Gentry had uh, two catches for zero yards, unfortunately. And then, and then Pat Fryermuth yeah. on nine targets had eight receptions and led the team with 75 total yards. Phenomenal work for, again, Pat and George specifically. They Between the two guys, only one incomplete pass, and it was tipped. So, uh, And I want to also shout out quickly to Connor Hayward. He didn't have a lot of play time in this mm-hmm. game. But the one play that he did get the opportunity to catch the ball, he made the most of it. Uh, it's the little things that you notice, right? Yep. Uh, so it's a rollout to the right-hand side. Connor goes out to go into his pattern and there's a defender coming at at Kenny. He could just run right by him and go out into the pattern. Instead, he pancakes the guy on his way out to his pattern. This clearing the lane for Kenny, if Kenny wants to decide to scramble and assuring that he's not getting hit while throwing the ball. It's the little things. Those are the kind of execution things that the coaching staff is looking for and that you should look for too when you're watching a game. That's the difference between a positive play and a negative play. If that defender is rushing, Kenny, maybe it's an inaccurate pass and maybe it's incomplete. Instead, it's an eight-yard gain. Uh, And no, it's not a groundbreaking play, but an eight-yard gain in a situation when the offense is struggling is something that you got to welcome. So I was happy to see that play. Um, Gonna feel bad for Zach Gentry, a tight end screen that gets blown up four yards behind the line, which washes his four yard pass later on. Yep. <laughs> so it looks like he had two catches and didn't gain anything either time when uh, just not a, uh, a monumental thing for him. Uh, I feel like this was just another game that we looked at uh, where you had one wide receiver clearly outshadowing the other ones, and no one thought that George Pickens was going to be quite this good, right? Like yeah. we had hopes. We had hopes that another Georgia wide receiver uh, would would come through in the clutch here and really, really become a a go-to guy. Uh, But it's looking more and more every week like George Pickens should be the guy that is featured. He should be the one that the ball is being thrown to 10 or 12 times a game every game uh, because he seems to make the most plays. And, man, that catch in the sideline in the end zone, uh, incredible toe touch. Uh, great balance and you never questioned it that was the crazy thing to me is that when that ball went in george's direction in that corner of the end zone i was just like it's a touchdown yep like he's gonna catch it he's gonna get his feet inbounds because that's what george pickens does uh so i need more george in my life and like you said i need more pat in my life too uh because man frymouth another solid game always fighting for extra yards. I like to see his stiff arm. I like seeing the, the tight ends in Pittsburgh utilizing the stiff arm and getting extra yards uh, in that, that 21-yard catch over the middle uh, when the game was on the line and Pittsburgh trying to get one final drive to try to, to get that game back and get the lead back. And guys like Fryermuth always give you a chance in those situations. So um, the two of them almost carried the passing game on their backs completely. But I didn't hate the the contribution from Chase Claypool. I thought Claypool had a decent game. Yeah, when Deontay actually caught the ball, he played fairly well as well. Let's be real. Um, <laughs> when, when he caught he the ball. He had one. 
He had one that I really liked that he juked the guy up and got a first down. Yeah. Uh, and my wife immediately pointed it out because I'd been dogging Deontay <laughs> so many times during the course of the game out of sheer frustration. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Seems uh, but about But there's right. only so much you can watch, right? Yeah. There's only so much you can watch of a guy just, you know, failing in clutch situations over and over and, yeah. you know, commanding an $18 million a year salary, but, you know, playing like a, one three million dollars yeah, guy. Um, yeah. With that being said, I I want to take a moment, obviously, because we always do offensive line. I felt like this was one of the better games by them. I I don't believe that. Um, you know, they only allowed two sacks, and, and none of them were horrible, in my opinion. It's not like you let someone run flush clean. Um. And and Kenny oftentimes had a pocket to step up into or somewhere to scramble to, which is yeah. better than what it has been. Again, the running game, I don't know if we need to get better holes for Najee. I don't know if we need to start calling different plays. Uh, we Again, still in the right direction. 3.8 average is better than his 2.5 he's been getting. Um, but I was proud of the offensive line, and, and I don't think there were any plays that I saw specifically where I was like, ooh, that person messed up big time. Like I, I, at least maybe I didn't catch it. You know what I mean? Um, the downfall mm-hmm. of the downfall of watching the, this game at Buffalo wild wings last night was the fact that the Houston Astros were also playing for the, to go to the, the world series. And uh, so the, <laughs> the place was pretty filled with Houston Astro fans. And the, that, that game was on most of the TV. So I had a little TV behind the bar. I was watching. Um, <laughs> it, was a, yeah. it was a good time. So for the offensive line, I would say that uh, part of the lack of running ability I noticed was uh, just, I think, again, Matt Canada handcuffing the quarterback and not allowing for audibles. Uh, there was at least one time where Pittsburgh was in a pretty obvious run formation. Um, and, you know, they, the def- defense had like nine guys in the box. And it's pretty obvious that if you do run, you're not going to get very far unless some miracle happens and you hit that one magical crease and break it. But that's like a once out of every 100 run kind of thing. And they ran the ball anyway. And it's one of those things that a veteran quarterback would count up the guys in the box uh, and audible to a pass. And then uh, either the the defense backs off or you've got some passing lanes because everybody's too close to the line of scrimmage. Uh, So I feel like part of that is that. Um, I did see late in the game, Chuksakor four injured uh, a leg. I don't know if it was an ankle or what. He was limping really badly. Uh, so near the end of the game, he started giving up some pressures, uh, but he was literally basically playing on one leg at the end of the game. Uh, and that's saying something if they don't pull him in a situation like that, seeing him limp that bad, knowing that he can't really block to his full potential of how do we really feel about the backup offensive tackles? Yeah. Because <laughs> if, if you're not bringing somebody out there when he's hurting that bad that he's he's having a tough time walking back to the huddle in between plays, uh, man, you you can't convince me that you're really all that confident in the backup offensive tackle. So yeah. definitely something Pittsburgh needs to address for next year is a little better depth on that offensive, uh, offensive tackle specifically. Yeah. I think it's a little better on the inside than it is on the outside right now. Yeah. Um, defensively, I was very proud of how the defensive defense played for the most part, minus the secondary dropping interceptions. Um, mm-hmm. I think that we had a couple four, big four. We had at least the one big fourth down stop, a couple big third down stops. Uh, the team played well. We gave 
there were times in the fourth quarter where I thought twice we weren't going to get the ball back, and then we did. Um, and then unfortunately, we just couldn't do anything with it. The team did a very good job, especially late. I mean, you know, and it speaks to both teams defensively, maybe more us with the lack of offensive communication, game, game plan, whatever. No team in this game scored in the second half. It was 16 to 10 at halftime, and that was the final score. So, um, but again, the defense to do, to give Pittsburgh two more opportunities, I believe under three minutes, was very impressive uh, in my opinion, and especially the one, uh, the big third, it was like third and three, the third uh, down stop. That should have been a pick, um, but I can't remember if that was Terrell Edmonds that was diving for that one or who that was. Um, yeah, that was Terrell. But it was, I mean, it was a great play on the ball and, you know, our, our defense tried, I'll put it that way, to, to, to hold a team like this with the amount of firepower they have on offense, the speed they have on offense, our defense did well holding them to 16 points. Yeah, I got to say that, you know, after the first two drives, I was really concerned because Miami moved the ball right down the field. Yep. And the only difference between the second drive and the first one was the last second goal line stand. Otherwise, it would have been 14 nothing right out of the gate. Uh, well, they just the defense got better as the game went on, really. Uh, and then you started seeing guys making plays on the ball. Uh, but in the end, you've got to catch those balls when there's at least four times that you and I can remember one Levi Wallace, one Cam Sutton, and at least two uh, Terrell Edmonds opportunities to intercept the ball where you get both hands on it. Uh, and honestly, you're really upset with yourself afterwards because you know how easy it should have been to catch it. Yep. Um, you got to take advantage of those opportunities. You got to give your offense some short fields so that they can score a little easier. Uh, when they're constantly having to go 70, 80 plus yards, that makes it really difficult on anyone, let alone a rookie quarterback that's having a tough time with chemistry with some of his receivers uh, in a running game that really is on like three out of four cylinders right now. Uh, it's misfiring at best. <laughs> uh, so uh, what we really need to see is more of those those converted turnover opportunities. I felt like Terrell Edmonds had himself a real nice game when the worst thing I can say about him is that he dropped some some interception opportunities. Uh, then you had yourself a nice game. You had some tackles for loss, uh, multiple pass breakups. Uh, Micah Fitzpatrick, also a clutch breakup on a fourth down conversion attempt. Uh, I noticed that once the third offensive drive for the Dolphins came in, we started seeing the middle linebackers for Pittsburgh heavily involved in pass coverage, starting to take over coverage on the, the middle of the field on these wide receivers. Uh, and what better guys to do it? Because honestly, our middle linebackers are probably more athletic than the two corners that were playing in that game. Yep. Uh, and that's not me trying to slam Cam Sutton and Levi Wallace. It just is what it is. Like Devin Bush was a 4-4-3-40 guy. Cam Sutton was a 4-5-5. Levi Wallace was a 4-6-1. I talk about this all the time. They don't have that high-end speed from the cornerback position, but you do actually have high-end speed at the middle linebacker position from these guys. Uh, so uh, it was nice to see the middle linebackers step up in the pass coverage scheme and really get some things done. Uh, I thought Cam Hayward really played his butt off again. Uh, and Larry Ogunjobi was disruptive in the game again as well. Um, still, we didn't get to the quarterback. I, I felt like there were only two times that I thought somebody could have and should have really had the quarterback. Cam had an opportunity, but he was too high with his arm swipe. Uh, if he would have hit him, it would have probably been a, path, a uh, roughing the passer because he would have got him in the head. Yep. Uh, and then Alex Highsmith almost had him dead to rights one play as well. Uh, but a lot of this too is like, 
Highsmith would get his pressure and he'd get around the corner and two would step up and there was nobody pushing the middle of the pocket. Yep. Uh, or he'd just run to the other side and whoever was on the other side wasn't pushing the pocket. So he had plenty of room to go going the other way. Uh, this is going to resolve itself very quickly here with this pressure because TJ Watt was out on that field practicing before the game. Yep. TJ is very near coming back. And I don't think it's going to be in the Eagles game, but I am 100% convinced that barring any setbacks, he'll be returning the week after the pre the uh, the bye week. The bye week. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm curious to see what happens this week. I'm curious to see if they finally start talking sack leaders because it's no longer Alex Highsmith. Uh, Parsons. Par- <laughs> yeah, Parsons, I'm sure they will. Yeah, Parsons and Bosa are currently tied for for the most with seven, and and Alex Highsmith is sitting at six and a half. So mm-hmm. very curious yep, to see they if might that talk happens. About it now. So that'll probably be a topic of conversation again. Probably. And then special teams, uh, Chris Boswell, one for one on field goal attempts, one for one on extra points. Uh, Presley Harvin, the third, six punts for a 41.8 average, two of them inside the 20, uh, his longest being 57. And then Benny Snell had one kick return for eight yards, nothing crazy. Uh, Gunnar Olszewski had one for 27 yards and then three punt returns for 19 yards. Nothing too crazy out of any of those guys, unfortunately. Um Hopefully we get Steven Sims back soon. He can prove himself again to be the return man we need again. I don't expect him next week in the Eagles game, but hopefully after the bye week we get uh, Sims and Watt back. So I, don't know. I felt like uh, I was trying to keep an eye on the punting performance and the field position and everything for your buddy Nick. Yeah. Uh, and it really seemed like a JV performance from Presley, unfortunately. Uh, a number of times he had the opportunity uh, to really flip the field uh, and instead put up like a 39-yard punt or a 40-yard punt, uh, and the thing's only going to like the 22-yard line or the 30-yard line, and there was plenty of extra room for him to bomb it further. Uh, he had one fantastic punt. That 57-yarder was a great punt, and he celebrated big time on that thing, uh, and he deserved to. Uh, but he has a much stronger leg than that for a 57-yarder to be his biggest booming punt. He can kick it so much harder and so much further than that. And I don't understand what the misconnect is uh, in in why he keeps on kicking them so short when he can and has in the past kicked it so much higher, so much better hang time and so much deeper. Uh, So I I don't know what's going on there with him. I don't know if he's just in a funk still. I don't know if he's going to come out of it, but I do know that if he doesn't start to turn this around, Pittsburgh's probably going to bring in some good competition for him next season because I don't think that they'll they'll continue on a on a year three with a guy just because he's on a rookie contract. Yeah, um, and next week at the Eagles is going to kind of finish up the Pittsburgh um, the rough the rough part of the schedule, which was very early mm-hmm. in the year. We you know after after our bye week, we come out, we play at home against the Saints, at home against the Bengals, two winnable games. Um, and then we also have at the Colts, winnable game. At the Falcons, which is a winnable game. The Ravens come to town. We go to the Panthers. We go, uh, and then the Raiders come to town. And then we end the year with Ravens-Browns. There's a good chance Pittsburgh still can fight for the division. Um, no one's running away with this. The, the top team right now is B- Baltimore at 4-3. and three, And we're only, what, two games back from that, te- technically? Two and a half? Um, yeah, two. So 
and you have to if you look at the past and how how Pittsburgh's played against Baltimore uh, in the recent few years, they've done real well against Lamar. They've been able to to frustrate Lamar, and I know a lot of that is with T.J. Watt. But we do fully expect T.J. to be playing by then. Uh, in fact, he should be in full form by then. He should be in in midseason form, except not as tired. Yeah, he's only played one game so far, literally. Uh, so I'm really excited for this this post bye week stretch. Uh, you never know. Maybe they'll catch Philadelphia's news in this upcoming week. We're going to try to get another episode for you guys before this upcoming game. We were able to do so last week. If any of you caught that, we're going to try to do so again this upcoming week. Uh, and we'll see what we can find. There's got to be some holes in that Philadelphia Eagles roster. I know they're the only unbeaten team so far, but sometimes when you're that unbeaten team and you got a team coming into town that people don't have a high opinion of right now, let your guard down. Listen, we're being called the joke of the NFL right now. Uh, just call us the Joker. They got three Batmans on their team. We'll we'll make them laugh. We'll figure it out. I don't know. I'm just trying to say something <laughs> stupid. Um, they do have three Batmans on their team. That's the whole thing. I don't remember what they're called. Skinny Batman, Fast Batman, and something else. Um, I don't know if you've heard that or not. It's actually really funny. They always, I have not. Look it up. I, they I always, assume that the wide receiver Smith is the skinny Batman. Uh, now I'm curious, uh, and I'm going to look it up. Got to be the skinny kid out of Alabama because he's only like 170 pounds, but he's like six foot tall. Yeah. Um, there's Smith, a. I think Devonte Smith maybe. Devonte, it's Devonte Smith. I think it's Darius Slay is the other one. Um. Uh, let me see if I can't find this. Yeah, skinny Batman. Uh, Who's the big one? Hargrave? <laughs> no, I don't remember what the heck they're called. Uh, there's got to be like images. I can't remember. There's a shirt that they were all wearing where it showed all of them. Um, but it's it's skinny Batman, fast Batman, and then I can't remember the other one if it's like thick Batman or whatever. Um, <laughs> but anyways, it's it's a big joke that they're. Going around Eagles, Batman. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. Here we go. Eagles, Batman shirt. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, here. I got it right I now. I almost got it for AJ, AJ Brown is swole Batman. Devontae Smith is skinny Batman. And Quez Watkins is fast Batman. Okay. There you go. There it is. So yeah, there are three, there are three Batmans. Batmans, Batmans, whatever you want to call it. Anyways. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> Pittsburgh versus the Batmans next week. Uh, keep an eye on that. And uh, yeah, we thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode. Be sure to like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Subscribe and ring the bell. It's free. And until next time, this is your hosts, James and Cody, signing off. Peace. <laughs>